0: Welcome to another episode of Nourishing Ideas, the podcast where you meet people hungry for solutions to the different food challenges our world are facing. I will mainly focus on the people connected to the food industry, but every now and then, other interesting persons will be heard. And today's curiosity is focused on Nina Otman from Grow the Goose in Malaysia. Grow the Goose is a workshop where kids learn how to become an entrepreneur and to use their passion to create their own income. It all started out when Nina's own kids that wanted to buy something and she didn't have the money told them that they had to make the money themselves and with some help they did and in two weeks they bought what they wanted. And from that it all grew to a business that's now having questions from Singapore to USA to teach kids how to do their thing. Nina also tells me that not only does the kids learn on how to make them save up money but also to do good with their business model. They learn to earn and live to give. And schoolwork is improving too. When they realize how their future goal can be reached through their own effort and interests. This way to empower kids through their own dreams and passions brings joy and energy to their lives. Not only the privileged kids but others too. That's a way to make a society more sustainable for all of us. If you like this podcast, I would love to hear from you on Facebook, Nourishing Ideas, or via mail. Have a look at the homepage, nourishingideas.se. And if you also would like to donate any amount of money, please do so on patreon.com forward slash nourishingideas. Thank you for your support, big or small. So now let's move on and be inspired by Nina Ottman and how to grow the goose. Okay, welcome to the Nourishing Ideas, Nina.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, it's great. Uh, I usually ask, start out with a question like, give me a story, a highlight story in, in your entrepreneurial life or idea. How did it all start or a highlight moment anyway?
1: Alright, um, well I've been an entrepreneur for about 15 years. So it is mostly a profit-driven um, ventures. But um, after becoming a mom, um, I've discovered the need to do something that has a legacy, probably, mm. and is more um, has more depth and more substance to the to my purpose, to my being, to my passion. So that's I think that being a mom um, drove me to this new venture uh, in the social enterprise space.
0: And how did the idea come up?
1: Oh, it's. Uh, so basically, um, it all started when I was in confinement with my third child. So, and then my two boys, I have a, uh, then they were four and six, they wanted a pair of roller shoes. It was a big thing. And, and then I just said a simple sentence I said, No, sorry, mommy got no money. Go and find your own money. With that simple uh, sentences, they actually took it seriously and they said, Okay. We wanna sell fried chicken, like what we saw on TV, because <laughs> there was this famous cartoon in Malaysia called Upin Ipin, and they wanted to be like one of the characters. And they mm-hmm. said, "Okay, we wanna sell uh, fried chicken just like Mael from Upin Ipin." And I'm like, "No, fried chicken is not healthy." And it's like, "Okay, so then what do we sell, mommy?" It's like, "Okay, let me think." And then um, I have a friend who sells healthy sausages, so you know, no preservatives, no coloring, and everything. So how I supported them was just through put up on Facebook and Instagram about the sausages that they were selling and then over the weekend they would uh, deliver it with uh, my husband and after two weeks they actually made enough money to buy those pair of roller shoes for each of them and when I posted that, that's when a lot of people started asking, say, hey um, can we be agents, can our kids be agents for these healthy sausages and I was like yeah sure and then but the second part of the question was what really moved me into like thinking deeper into this. They asked, Nina, do you have a module to teach kids this? Okay. That's when I realized I do have my entrepreneurial um, experience. How can I apply that to kids and actually advocate delayed gratification? Because parents nowadays, they come to me and say, Nina, I don't know how to say no to my kids. You know, I haven't been around for a week. And then when they ask for an iPhone 7, I just get it for them.
0: Very conscious. Yeah.
1: No, don't do that, you know, you're spoiling the growth of their creativity, their, their willingness, their motivation to go find something for themselves.
0: Yeah. What did you do before with, as an entrepreneur? Um...
1: Alright, so I did a couple of things, I, I used to run an event management company, doing corporate events, treasure hunts, team buildings, and then I had a photo studio, I had a baking studio, I used to do lots of hampers. Corporate gifts, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, corporate uh, gift items, and uh, the last one that I had was a party planning outfit for kids. So, the, insert. So, the last one that I had uh, was a party planning outfit for kids. So, yeah, so I would do birthday parties for kids because parents would pay for it. But there was also that experience that made me realize that what am I doing? I'm just making kids more spoiled because parents are giving in to kids wanting lavish birthday parties, you know, with sugary desserts and whatever they want that they get. And I was supporting that. That's when I realized, like, what am I doing? That's, that's how it all comes together. All these experiences of me being an entrepreneur, dealing with kids, seeing how tempered and spoiled kids turn out to be. Yeah, stuff like that
0: did you finish that last uh, idea and then started this or did you have a period with I had
1: I had I had a period of soul searching that was when I um, actually got pregnant so it was a a whole year that I took a break and I'm like oh god what am I doing <laughs> mm. and then suddenly when I when I did that when I did this soul searching finding what's my purpose what's what's truly what am I truly passionate about and I know it's kids Okay. But what can I do more with these kids? And that's when I realized that if I can empower my own kids to do this and there is a demand from other people for me to do the same for their kids, that's when I put two and two together and realized that, hey, this could be a potential business venture. That's when I started doing workshops um, just to test out whether the module module works. And from there, I fine-tuned and you know um, improved upon it based on their... Uh, Parents' feedbacks, and that's how until today I've actually managed to run about twenty-six workshops, reaching out to about nine hundred kids in this past one and a half years.
0: One and a half years, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's the how business model? How do you how do you make money out of this?
1: Okay, so currently, um, I I run paid workshops for the public, so I charge. 300 ringgit, which is about 600 kronas, where I teach them in a full one-day workshop, uh, theories and concepts, and I also embed a one-hour parents briefing, so that parents can go back and follow up with the kids, so it doesn't become a touch-and-go program. And then with this, um, uh, this paying programs, I then run free programs for the underprivileged or marginalized kids. They too can learn about financial discipline and having how to attain financial wisdom by the time. they, they, they turn into adults, get into food.
0: What would you say is unique about, that, but about the idea? was really special?
1: I think um, why parents like this is truly, it's, it's a very fun, engaging and practical kind of a workshop. It's not just a classroom setup, you know, in the setups we have games, and then we actually give them a one-hour practical earning challenge. They actually have to go out on the streets and start selling to strangers. And you know, I get, I, I get replies, or, or rather, I get feedback from the kids like, "Oh my god, Auntie Lina, there's something in my stomach. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I, it's stuck in my throat. It's not coming up." I said, "It's okay. Just relax." But once they actually broke through that fear, they are the ones that are flying now. After six months of joining this program, after eight months, I get feedback from parents like, you know, um, my, my daughter um, completed her first book. You know, in six months after joining the workshop, she actually finished her book and we've just launched her book. In 10 days, she's managed to sell 400 copies. And how she's managed to do that is she just goes out to strangers and starts asking, do you want to buy my book? All right. So this kind of feedback really validates that what we do... Is really is really making these kids feel really empowered that they can do anything if they set their mind to it, and it's nothing but just facing their fears. And I feel when you tackle this at a younger age, when there is no, you know, no preconceived notions, and it's just like, oh, okay, let's just do this, you know. Whereas when we do it with the teens or even the young adults, they be like, uh, uh, what if, uh, uh, you uh. know, <laughs> there's so many what ifs. But with the kid, it's so simple. They just do it.
0: From what age?
1: Uh, well, we've started. We started off with six to
0: twelve
1: mm. uh, for a year. But in that year, I got so many requests to do for the teens, and I didn't want to. So it, I actually put it on hold for a year before finally relenting and I said, "Okay, let's just try out with the teens." So now we've opened it up for thirteen to sixteen. Yeah.
0: So you're teaching these guys, kids to be entrepreneurs.
1: Yes, so this is the challenge that I had initially when I introduced the program. A lot of parents were scared, they thought that, you know, um, you know, we will stop their kids from being doctors and lawyers and become entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. But this is what I explained to them over and over again, I said, it's not that we don't want your kids to be doctors and lawyers. Or engineers, we want your kids to be doctors who own hospitals and clinics. Sure. We want your uh, uh, kids to be lawyers who have their own firms so that they can employ more people. We want your kids to be scientists with their own labs. We want them to be engineers with their own thriving firms. And you know, everything that we do now needs to have some kind of entrepreneurial. Skill, mm-hmm. how you manage people, how you, everything is encompassed in this whole big umbrella of entrepreneurship. So, I think it's it's just educating them on that. And now I'm slowly getting them to understand about social entrepreneurship through the kids because our tagline is "Learn to earn and live to give." Mm-hmm. So with our, um, so the first part is how do we earn money. Mm-hmm. The second mm-hmm. part is how do you then save the money that you've earned. So that's when we introduce to them the savings system. So we teach them in a, a, in a four-jar system, um, which is actually a century-old system that's been practiced by so many people. It's just I've just taken it, made it into a fun way so that kids can follow through with it. Um, and then lastly, we want them to have a more... Um, to introduce them to investments. Because in other countries, um, in, in the US for example, there are... Um, there are kids who are introduced to the stock market as young as five. Okay. Yes, just to let them see the uh, screens of how the graphs look like, mm-hmm. and then it's like if you love toys, then the father will say, okay, let's buy a stock, buy the stock from Mattel. Mm-hmm. If you love McDonald's, okay, buy your stock in McDonald's. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing is just introducing them to this kind of opportunities, or yeah. So I think it's just. It's just, it's just really fun when you expose it to the kids and they'll be like, oh, cool, you know. Versus being too engrossed in gadgets and no human relationship. It's not that I'm against gadgets, but I feel that the kids can do more when we pair them up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is it hard? How do you start a business in Malaysia? Do you have to sign up somewhere? Or Yeah, so
1: or we that? register with mm. the Registrar of Business. The ROB, the local SSM. Okay. Yeah, so then can either run it as an enterprise or a private limited. So, yeah, it depends.
0: Uh, even the small kids or. Uh, oh, 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 are, oh, sorry. Uh, I uh, asked <laughs> about you uh, too, but about kids? Okay, for
1: the kids, mm-hmm. as long as there's uh, parents' permission, there isn't a, a set entity per se. It's more of a business project, mm-hmm. not actually a solid enterprise or legal entity yet, unless. There are extra positive or extra how do you say that um, uh, not positive what do you call that uh, proactive okay and insert edit out so uh, we also have uh, proactive parents who then take on the responsibility to actually register legally mm-hmm. under the parents' names but actually let the child run it so You know, you you have different kinds of parents Mm. with different kinds of support. But um, otherwise, it's more of a business project, allowing the child to try different, different things. So, for example, I have one graduate, so she's completed the workshop. She really liked baking, and so she started a baking um, project, enterprise kind of a thing. And Mm. she would sell over the weekends, and she would have her own Facebook page. But now, her focus is slightly shifted to not just baking. She also likes crafts. So now she's added on something to that. So she does crafts as well, you know, selling uh, bangles, bookmarks or whatever. So it's just about passion projects, allowing them to try, test and explore different, different things at this young age mm-hmm. and just getting them engaged in it. You know, just do what you like, what makes you happy. How do you monetize your own talent and passion? That kind of a approach that we use here.
0: And it could be useful when they're going to choose what to to study later on to, if they have the passion somewhere. Correct. Because that's, that's, a, a, that's a force, it's an energy. Yeah, so mm.
1: I, I guess I take um, moral from seeing my family and friends who are stuck in the rat race mm. and they'll be like, oh, I wish I could do this, I wish I could do that." But I think as you age or grow older, you become so comfortable, and you become so fearful of what if. I can't make enough money to pay my bills, and da 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 da, da. you know? Suddenly, you build this fear out of just a, a doubt. A mustard seed of doubt has grown into, like, this big ball of fear. But if you had approached the kids at the beginning, at that seed of doubt, that small size, they're able to overcome that and just be like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, they have no walls, they have no... I don't know how to explain it, but they're just so brave. These kids are just so brave.
0: I mean, they empower their passion somehow, so they always trust it. Correct. Yeah.
1: And it's also beautiful to see parents starting to take notice of this and actually supporting their kids more than a thousand percent. You would see oh my god, Nina, you know, I never knew my child had this kind of talent. I never knew he, she was so good at writing. I never knew he actually wanted to be a baker. I never knew. It's like so many I never knew. Oh, so I didn't know he wanted to be a YouTuber. I didn't know that he could, you know, make games and that you can make uh, a, a, a career out of being a gamer, you know? So I think it's open up new horizons for the parents as well to understand their kids better. So it becomes then... Another level of empowerment for the entire family and a bonding. It becomes like I have sibling partnerships.
0: Okay. <laughs> you know,
1: a couple of siblings who had uh, graduated, so now they have their own little projects mm-hmm. that they run together as a family. And then you've got some who whose mom was actually a housewife and she was just actually so bored, but then now she's managing her sons business project kind of a thing, you know, bringing him places. So it, it's amazing.
0: Do you see that the school work goes up too? I mean, the level. Uh, Okay,
1: Okay, thank you for that question. I've never actually measured that. But just recently, I actually got a testimonial from um, a, a customer, which is from a bank, actually. Mm. And they actually told me that based on the... Because we did the... Um, workshops for the indigenous natives uh, through this bank through their CSR program and apparently the teacher was reporting that their attendance their interests and their their, their motivation to pay attention in class has increased and they're not yet the grades but they see the, the the interest coming out from them to actually attend school and there is there is hope <laughs> no because we do this um uh, dream board session vision board session ask them what their dreams and goals are give them support give it it just excites them and so I said if you want this you would need to have a good education in order for you to achieve this and mm-hmm. so I think we sort of help them connect the dots why they need yeah. to come to school because there is a purpose after this how what has what I think they've never actually been asked the question, what's going to happen when you leave school? Mm -hmm. A simple question.
0: Who knows?
1: (laughs) Exactly. A simple question like what makes you happy? They've never been asked that question.
0: That's a good question. Yeah, What
1: makes you happy? It's a simple question but I think kids don't get that question asked to them at all.
0: To to find the strengths like you do with that kind of question, what kind of strengths does this person have and combined with the passion you get the energy and love for whatever you want to do. You can do the Terrible, the boring stuff too, just to get there.
1: Just let me give you an example of one of these girls. So, you know, this this natives, the orang asli, we call it. Um, the parents are there. They mostly works. They mostly work in the um, the oil pump, mm-hmm. uh, the the plantations. Okay. You know, um, and I think they just don't have that will to want to know more what's out there because they're so comfortable in their current setting and stuff like that, you know. But when you hear their stories, sometimes their lunch is just plain rice with soy sauce. That's their daily lunch, you know. And they're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And we're not coming in to disrupt that comfort or whatever. We're just saying that there is a choice. There is an option out there if ever you wanted something more. So we're just showing just showing that opportunity to these younger kids and when they see that, they would be like, yeah, I, I, I would like that. So, for example, when we asked them, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I had an answer from a girl. She said she wants to be a nurse. I'm like, okay, you want to be a nurse. I said, what else do you want to be? I want to be a nurse with five bakeries. And I'm like, okay, where? And she actually mentioned the places she wanted it.
0: That's a good dream.
1: Yeah. And then there was another girl who wanted to be a baker and have two bakeries but she's never tasted cake in her life. Okay. And you'd be like, okay. (laughs) But it's just amazing all these other things that I think we take for granted Mm -hmm. when we come from the urban setting. But if you just go like 60 kilometers in, (laughs) or rather out, you would see this whole other scenario. And I think that's what I really like about what I do, is giving that equal opportunity for kids to just be able to express themselves. And then finding ways how we can assist them and empower them so that, because they'll be sharing the same future anyways. Yeah. You know, I tell the parents, I said, I tell the parents of those from the the, the, the privileged setting, rather. I said, if we don't do something about these other kids who are not as privileged, let's be honest, we are not actually reducing the gap. But don't be surprised, one day, just one day, I'm sorry I have to say this, but one day, the same kids will be the one robbing and raping your kids. Mm. We're, we know this is coming, so we better do something about it. It, it, it. As harsh as it seems, that's what happens when people go into survival mode and want—you know, they're stuck in extreme poverty. I don't know what can happen. Mm. You know, we can see it already now. So,
0: yeah, and How is it scalable? I mean, if you're running the business yourself right, right now, yeah?
1: So um, scalability-wise, so right now I'm the only one running the workshops, but I'm actually taking up a certification to train other trainers and also to license out the module that I have. And so... And so hopefully by September uh, this year that will be out and they'll be up and running because we've had requests from um, other states in Malaysia because right now I'm only operating in Kuala Lumpur. So we've had other states in Malaysia requesting us to either go there or allow them to run it at their place. Um, So we've also had requests from Singapore, um, Thailand, Brunei, um, the U.S. Mm. also, which was quite shocking because they do have similar programs, but I'm not too sure. And also Thailand. Oh, I think I mentioned it, a so Thailand. Yeah. So, yeah, so it has been interesting knowing that something that started from my own experiment and my own little passion project has now turned into something that's like, okay, you know, this is in demand and parents want it. And I've, we've managed to actually... Catch the attention of some banks as well. We're actually working with two banks. Mm. Um, one one is Malaysia's largest bank, and the other is the second largest bank. So, though it's not a full on um, project, but being able to actually catch the attention and run it on a pilot uh, sort of a pilot project is is still pretty wild well for us. So this just all just happened this year. So we'll see how far this goes.
0: But yeah, well, that's great. I mean, have a communication with. Biggest banks that also going to be uh, make money out of if people want to start saving money, so they have, they can see a future in, in your work.
1: Correct. So it's really um, it's really good to know that the, these banks are coming to us because they're in getting into this whole sustainability development programs um, as well. You know, so there's not just so much of CSR now. You know, corporate social responsibility. Mm. Um, activities are slowly phasing out a lot of corporates are looking into how do we do this on a more long-term more sustainable basis and so I think they also like the fact that we're starting young Mm -hmm. and how we are actually Mm -hmm. empowering and developing them right up till 16 or 18 so right now the current agreement or the way we are working with these banks are actually you know if they open an account with the bank, they actually um, get to come for our workshops for free. And then we also then grow with these kids on how to actually grow their money in this bank account as well. So I, it becomes a win-win-win, you know, not just a win-win,
0: you know. So that's
1: that's, that's always the best way, win-win-win.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it common to, to start uh, social, uh, being a social entrepreneur in Malaysia or are you in, in the first generation
1: well um currently i have to be honest currently there isn't um a proper policy for social enterprises in malaysia we're working on it mm-hmm. so i would say we are in the sort of first generation although i think the first few social enterprises in malaysia came up about four or five years ago but only in the past two years it has been more um a buzzword, more sexy kind of a space, you know, and and the government is actually coming in to support these kind of causes, coming up with agencies that actually help uh, startups who are in the social enterprise space. Mm. But um, yeah, there's so much more to learn about this. And I think um, it is good, the timing is good because I think more people are aware but they just don't know how to. So when we go out and speak, like for example with Grow the Goose, when we speak to the kids, to the parents, to our uh, stakeholders, we teach them, or rather we would like to advocate uh, this line that we use, which is do good, make profit, make more profit, do more good. Repeat. Right. That Keep is a mindset. cycle. That yeah. is a cycle. Yeah. So, yeah, this is what we want to continuously tell people. is It's okay to do good. It is good to do good.
0: Yeah, and make money. And
1: then you will make money. Yeah. It doesn't need to be, it doesn't need just to be one way, like, make money first and then help.
0: Not it not. can be the
1: other way around too.
0: The old way of CSR. Correct. You, Correct. you have to put it in yes, because you want to make it.
1: Good, Correct. Good. There's this there's, there's another way around it too. Mm-hmm. Do good first and then make money and then make more profit? Mm-hmm. Do more good. Repeat. So mm-hmm. that that that's what we communicate. Yeah, that's
0: great. How common is it with the larger firms that put in the CSR if they I mean the old firms that they don't have it in, in the DNA or like you have. So, how common is it that they start, like you said, it was a movement coming, that they're more aware of being sustainable, working with uh, like a, uh, social good, uh, good ideas.
1: Yeah, um, there is also um, another uh, initiative that has been um, that's being promoted by our government. It's called CER, Corporate Entrepreneurship Responsibility. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but I could be wrong with this I us <laughs> just check it out Cr. so it's when corporates then help entrepreneurs like us to scale so that then we can be of more good to the community so it's then in that um, that, that you, flow that you rather,
0: see be as good as CSR. correct <coughs> rather
1: than just going straight to the beneficiaries and it becomes a touch and go program mm-hmm. how do you then keep that cycle for the entrepreneurs to then do more good. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but basically the CR initiatives are, are being introduced now and more corporates are looking into that. At the same time, they are facing out the CSR bit and going into the whole sustainability because I think it's also embedded in their reports now. They have to... There the, are KPIs now, so indirectly... They have to do it anyways. Everyone's moving to that direction, which is, is it's, it's good in all ways. Yeah.
0: How did you find out about SA Forum at all? I mean, this is Sweden and that's Malaysia. Okay, Malaysia. so
1: um, I actually joined the uh, MAGIC Accelerator Program in Malaysia. MAGIC stands for Malaysian uh, Global Innovation and Creativity Center. Okay. So they are one of the agencies uh, that has been appointed to help Businesses uh, to help social entrepreneurs and techpreneurs and and whatnots, mm-hmm. and so um, the executive director um, actually posted on one of our chat channels to actually apply for this social entrepreneurship forums, which I did in December, and um, yeah, and here you <laughs> The rest is history. Here we are. Yeah. So yeah.
0: What's been? Uh, what have you learned most here?
1: A lot, actually. I think. I think um, Malaysia has a lot, or uh, rather, a long way to go in this space. And hearing the stories from the other countries, you know, we have participants from Nigeria, Uganda, Kenya, Botswana, uh, Pakistan, and, and Guatemala, and how if you remove the policies that is in each country, we're all actually wanting to do the same, anyways, to help our own individual communities. But I think it's. Knowing those challenges also will help us in our own country. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I've just learned so much from them. And uh, yes, it, it is good. I think it is good for us to go out and learn how it's being practiced in other countries. And you know, coming to Sweden also, it'd be like the whole. Let's just take one example: recycling.
0: Yeah.
1: You have segregated bins everywhere,
0: <laughs>
1: and it it is it is not that we don't have it in our country. You don't have to educate people anymore. It becomes a way of life. It becomes a culture. It is a behavioral thing that you've managed to inculcate, and it's it's amazing. It's amazing, and I think we we need to really move and look into how other countries are doing it and just learn from it. And I think um, we've always been caught in this little bubble or, oh, you know, this is how we need to solve it in our country, and blah, blah, blah. Yes, it's true, but there's so much more we can learn from out there to not have to start from scratch back home. How do we just then leverage on solutions out there? How do we break silos? How do we work in an, a setting which is abundance mindset, creative mindset versus the competitive mindset. Why do we need to do the dog in dog world? That's old news. Let's move on to competitors, you know, quote unquote. How do competitors really work together and come up with a common solution, you know? And I really love the banks that I'm working with. You know, I can talk to them and say, you know, like, my ultimate vision is to come up with a solution for the unbanked community. And these banks are like, they're like, yeah, cool, Nina, let's, let's do this. There's no qualms about, you know, oh, that's a competitor bank and blah, blah, blah. No, no more. Let's not get into that anymore. It's, it's amazing how mindsets are shifting to come up, come up with a solution for a common goal. So I, Co- I like that.
0: To cooperate and collaborate. Correct. really make it sustainable. And
1: Correct. I think it's good, it, it, people are realizing the need to collaborate, cooperate, breaking silos, just why are we doing double work, triple work sometimes, you know? Yeah. There are solutions, for example maybe there's already solutions in Africa, I just need to find out where who and just apply that technology over and then share the profits.
0: <laughs> but when you listen to these guys, that you hear here and what you have heard back home say are there any trends that you see that's really making this a, a s or a global force that finally will, the knowledge that you find out there are here is really spread faster so it's growing. Yeah. Do you see those trends?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think with, with the internet you know you've got all this um, surveys and forums and, and and events bringing everyone together i think we need more of those and the trend is people do like to go for this because there's just so many so much insights to get from just one meeting even you know so yeah I, I, it's, a, it's a growing trend and i think the millennials if you study them, they really want to... They're more health conscious, they're more environmentally conscious. But I think they just want that outlet or that platform to be able to do that and not be judged, you know, just to make it like it's a way of life instead of to have to consciously be... <laughs> to, to I think they want it to be a way of life rather than to be consciously having to think about it, like, oh, I need to be... It's,
0: I, it's natural, it comes natural. So yeah, yeah. Because it's, they've grown up with it. Yeah. Bit, Correct.
1: Know? So I think maybe that's why mm-hmm. I, I like to work with kids, so we can just start from scratch. And mm-hmm. it's so easy to teach the kids, you know. I, I have a story of a boy who joined our workshop, and then after our workshop realised that he did some research, and I think his science teacher helped as well. The science teacher was like, you know... Um, Leatherback turtles, who used to visit shores in Malaysia, are going to go extinct in six years, and they haven't visited our shores since the 90s or something like that. And he was so moved by it, he actually then started baking cookies to help save leatherback turtles. So yeah, and he went viral. Like, he, he, he was in the newspapers, like 10 over newspapers, and he's gone on radio interviews and stuff like that. And now he's upgraded himself to not just baking cookies, he's... He's actually doing baking workshops to teach other kids how to bake cookies. And this kind of things... It, the thing is, uh, well, this is the feedback that I got from the mom. It's like, before he was a gamer, he would just sit down in front of the gadgets. He, but now he's he's found a purpose and he's using his knowledge in YouTube, in gaming to incorporate in his new initiative now.
0: That's
1: great. So it's... it's wow... So... There's hope. Yeah. There's hope.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the idea you got, I mean, kids all over the place have to learn to be entrepreneurs or at least take care of their ideas and passion and listen to that. Because, I mean, with the robots and everything, it's going to take over a lot of work. We have to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. We can't be in the, in the factory, stuff like that, like most of our parents have done in the past. Yeah. So, yeah. there has to be a change in in, in mindset and your your is. I mean, the whole world needs it.
1: <laughs> I think, earlier okay, you spoke about energy. Uh, I, I believe in energy. And, um, I think, um, you know, people think that just because I do a, a money-centric workshop is about money. I think um, I need to communicate that more as well. Um, mine is, our workshop is not so much about money, because you know money, if you chase after it, it will run away, right? yeah. <laughs> That is the nature of money, you know, you chase after it. Mm-hmm. But if you have that energy or something that you really like to do, you will attract the money. Yeah. So right now when we talk about it being a financial empowering workshop and, and stuff, it is, it is a tool that I use, but actually what we do at Grow the Goose it's finding the purpose you know, finding a purpose it may change, the purpose may change but the process of being able to do that and um, also you know, finding out what's your passion, again passion change, I don't believe really in having just one passion but allowing the child to know at that moment in time what is their passion, what is their purpose and then finding a plan on how to execute uh, this passion and purpose And then coming out with those little projects that they can work on with their family or with their friends. So it's the three P's in a way. And that money bit is just a tool to support that.
0: Yeah, it becomes the energy that makes it work.
1: Correct. And so once they start doing the things they like, like the boy who sells the cookies or the girl that sells the books, or that I have a seven year old who has a tea company. She's a CEO, quote unquote, (laughs) of a tea company, you know? and they're just selling their stuff and it's because like, they like what they do and having, having a purpose for everything that they do like the girl who, 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 who sells the books, makes the books she helps an NGO that um, mm. gives free education to the street kids the boy who bakes cookies helps save leatherback turtles I have another girl who bakes uh, cakes to save the tigers the girl who sells the tea um, helps dogs, abandoned dogs There is another boy who does workshops teaching kids how to make airplane models and he has his own t-shirts. He helps orphans. The boy who paints really well now has a newfound purpose where he wants to paint sufferings and do exhibitions, proceeds then helps the orphans near his community. So, you know, the money, it's not about the money. The money will come. But to be able to find that 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 soul, that passion, that purpose—I think a lot of adults struggle with that
0: now. Yeah, we never learned
1: it. <laughs> no, nope, we never learned it. And I am lucky that I was—I was in a near-death accident, and I think that really changed. I would say that was one of the best things that happened to me. <laughs> Being in a in a car crash. Okay. The other person didn't survive. I did, and I knew I had a bigger purpose now. And going through that whole process, and then suddenly making up my mind to get married, to have kids—you know that whole thing—and then everything just, canalized. Yeah, and yeah, it, it, it's amazing the journey. Now that I look back, and then, uh, and then you know. Um, I, I brand myself as Mother Goose now, not because I wanted to, but because people started calling me that, and then I decided, okay, I'll be Mother Goose, and if you look into it, Mother Goose, what the, what she does is tell stories. So now I feel that my purpose is to tell stories of how these kids, of what they're doing, how they're doing it, you know, who they are helping, that that is the role that I take on now, and I, what, what I want to do,
0: yeah. Do you have a motto or quote that you use for yourself to remind yourself and find spirit or energy?
1: Um, I do. Let me just... It's by Gary Graves. There is no greater inspiration than empowering children to help other children.
0: That's fine. It's a nice
1: one. Yeah. So I have another one by Mr. Carlos Slim. It's important to give a better country to your children. But it's more important to give better children to your country.
0: That's really nice. Do you have anything else you want to say to a listener or someone that wants to start something? Advice? Best s- advice you have Yeah.
1: Um, every time someone has a birthday, my family and my friends, I always give them, them this same wish. May you conquer your fears and live your dreams.
0: That's a nice. <laughs> last words. Thanks a lot Nina.
1: Thank you very much. Have a good day.
0: Yeah, thank you a <laughs> lot. Bye. Bye-bye. You become full of power when you make changes in your life due to your kids or near-death experiences and in Nina's case both of them. A change that makes a difference to kids in Malaysia and spreading throughout the world too feel inspired i do so how do you want to make a difference for the world in a sustainable way i want to spread spread the enthusiasm that these entrepreneurs have and for you to take one small step further down the path of your purpose and passion in the world so what step can you take right now to get a small step closer to your dream nina's idea is spreading and i hope you found a lot of inspiration from her she has a lot of energy and laughs So now you can start to move on the path for a sustainable future for you and your surroundings with a lot of passion and energy. So if you want to help me build this podcast and listen to more ideas and the persons that execute those ideas that makes this world a more sustainable place to live on, please spread the word of Nourishing Ideas to others. And also, if it's possible, make a donation via patreon.com forward slash nourishing ideas. Until the next time, ask yourself at the end of the day, what are the three things that you are most grateful for today? Focus on the next small step that will take you closer to your goal and take it right now. Please do a short reflection on what you heard us talking about and figure out what was it that you really liked and how can that be brought into your life. Thank you for listening to Nourishing Ideas, a podcast for a healthy and sustainable ideas, making changes one bite at a time. Take care.